rise for their majesties of Royally Obsessed, the podcast for all things royals. Three cheers for His Majesty the King. Welcome back to Royally Obsessed. I'm Roberta. And I'm Rachel. What did you think of that intro, Rachel? It was very smooth. I liked it. <laughs> As always, follow us on Instagram at Royally Obsessed Podcast for all the latest royal news. Also, send us an email, info at gallerypodcast.com. We've got so many great emails. So many of you are in London, either for Ascot or Trooping or all of these big events. And so we are very jealous and we want to hear all about your experiences. We have a jam-packed episode before the big holiday week next week. Rachel, what are we chatting about today? Gosh, we have so much. I think it's like with the Waleses in particular, everyone was like, you guys are, we're noticing you're not working and now they are just out every minute, every hour. They are, yeah, full speed ahead. First, we're rewinding and recapping Ascot, which had so many amazing appearances after our fab interview last week with Alexandra and Scott. We are then skipping ahead, moving forward to Wimbledon. We got this fantastic preview video from Kate and Roger Federer. We're going to talk about that. We have Williams' big launch to tackle homelessness. It was finally revealed. More on the Sussexes and what went awry with Spotify. Princess Diana's sheep sweater. I love when this makes it in an episode, Roberta. And we have so, so much more. But I'm just so happy to see you. I know that you're only away for three days. And I know we are virtual in existence most of the time. But I just always feel your absence. Like you are someone when you're not online. I'm just like, oh. I feel just, that way too. Whenever I get like, I want to be constantly texting you, but I'm also trying to but log it's like off. Good. We we protect. We have good boundaries, right? We do. Like have good I boundaries. think that that's really awesome. I love. I us. know. I know. It's it's nice <laughs> to five. I just see you us. during my vacation too via Zoom because I am at a family reunion in South Carolina right now, Lake Hartwell. If anyone's familiar with Lake Hartwell, it's gorgeous. We rented a pontoon boat. So I am actually in a bathing suit and cover up right now as I'm zooming. (laughs) I was going to say the fact that you are pausing your vacation and you're about to hop on a pontoon boat right after this. I just feel like the the love that Roberta clearly has for the Roros and this part of her job is amazing. I can't really even escape it because my whole newsfeed is always, always Royals, which is so fun. And now it's time for the weekly Royal Cocktail. So to get through all that we are going to talk about, I'm going to be sipping something that is my aunt's recipe that I've discovered during this family reunion. My mom is one of seven, short, long story short. So we're with all the cousins and her siblings and everything. It's just so, so much fun. And my aunt's special drink, which I've been sipping all week, is a whiskey slush. So Ooh. she freezes whiskey with orange juice and lime, and then you scoop it like with a melon baller kind of or you know, an ice cream scoop and pour ginger ale over it. And it is delicious. Whiskey slush. It's so, so that good. That sounds incredible. I'll have to make it for you, Rachel. Next yes. Time next time we're in the office together, let's do that. We'll I'll just... bring a whole container of frozen <laughs> yes, slush. Yes. We'll have it first thing in the morning <laughs> or we can hour. save it. Yeah. yeah. Tell me how you are, though, because Finn graduated pre Oh, my gosh. Yes. No big deal. Yes. He had a pre-K graduation on Friday. It was Matt's birthday. It was just a lot. Oh, I was going to say, though, to celebrate or also just it was on our schedule. We went to the Empire State Building on Saturday because Finn is so into New York stuff. He has always myriad interests. But what made me laugh so hard is 
I turned the corner and you talking about not being able to escape Royals. And there was like a floor to ceiling screen right when I turned the corner of William, Prince William on the Empire State Building like Stop. way back when. And I was just so laughing because I was just like, wherever you go, there You're they are. You're in the twilight zone of the Royals. Yeah. like literally And then it jumped to like Mickey Mouse atop the Empire State Building. But it was just that moment oh, that I saw funny. right away. But that's so happy birthday, Matt. Did you guys go to dinner? We did. We went out in the West Village during Pride. I totally like oh, it was wow. fantastic to be there. But I was like, I made a reservation not thinking about the overlap, but it was, it actually made it even more festive. We had like pride popsicles and it's all this stuff. very yeah. festive. It was so hearty. For, oh, that's so fun. I'm so glad. Well, yeah, we need to say, I think we should say this now, probably a quick housekeeping note. Yes, we are off next week, you guys. We are so, so sorry. We love you so much, but we just need to recharge. And it's the 4th of July week and splintered with work schedule. So we will be back with so much energy and feeling so refreshed the following week. And all week. the Wimbledon coverage probably. Yes, because I can't Wimbledon's wait to watch. I'm so week. excited. We have a wonderful and very timely follow-up from Mary, who I think we read her first note about being at Trooping the Color accidentally last week, but she followed up with details about her trooping experience. She was on her way to Germany when she sent us this email. She was like, please excuse any typos. But this is these are her highlights. And I thought it would be really fun just while we still have trooping on our minds to share here. She talked about how she was positioned by the horse guards parade along the mall. She stood with folks watching from France, Zimbabwe, Newcastle. This made me laugh. All of the people that she was with, no matter where they were from, wanted to know her American perspective on Meghan and the Sussexes. I think this is a common refrain, right? Because they live here now. feels like familiar from when we were there for the coronation, for sure. Yes. So she had, while watching, she had her, quote, dutiful husband on video duties (laughs) right at 11 a.m. when the trooping ceremony kicked off. She saw Duchess Sophie. She saw Princess Anne on horseback. Then Queen Camilla, Kate and the kids in the carriage. She noted that Camilla was chatting away to Kate as they all passed by. This part was funny. Charles and William were on horseback, as we know, but they blended in so much with their hats down over their eyes that no one noticed them. Wow. And the only way that she was able to see them was to go back and her dutiful husband that rewatched that video and that she said it was a bit anticlimactic, but you really couldn't see them. They just blended in. That really makes Kate and Bright Green stand out so much more, too. And there's really it feels like only half the royals are even there. That's crazy. Well, that was her next note, Roberta, was that it was really hard to pick royals out of the crowd except for Kate and her Mm. green dress meant that she really did stand out which we all kind of commented on that Mm -hmm. that was a choice right and very queen with everyone in uniform she then this was just an aside but she had to leave before the balcony the flyover and the balcony appearance because she had to get a train to Windsor where she was doing a tour but she got there and the flag was flying and there was a lot of hubbub and the king was there so he went from trooping to Windsor and she was there to see the final resting place of Queen Elizabeth the second and she was chatting with one of the chaplains Pauline who shared this insight that the queen used to always pop by St. George's at Christmas with mulled wine for all and wish them all well and she noted that because the queen knew that a lot of the people the church staff were nervous to be in her presence and talk to her she would bring the corgis as a fantastic icebreaker I love that that's so thoughtful sweet yeah I loved these these trooping insights. And also, I was going to ask you if while you were away, you know, combing the royal news as one does on vacation, <laughs> um, did you see this detail that one of the queens, I guess it was really one of her most beloved pages, footmen, is sorting through the queen's diaries right now and deciding oh, wow. what will be archived and what will remain confidential? It made me think of it with the corgis because 
will we learn that the queen actually <gasps> did use them as an icebreaker in these diaries? Oh, interesting. I was thinking more like, Oh, juicy. I mean, among like other things, but I just, that's what made me think spare. about it. We'll get her inner thoughts. You know what I mean? Queen Elizabeth's version of spare. Like what is, yeah. Oh Cause wow. I, I guess like just the, for context, Queen Victoria had 141 volumes in their da- like worth of daily diary entries. And uh, most of those were digitized wow. and just fascinating to think this guy, I guess he goes by tall Paul and he was in the James Bond skit. He oh, was the oh, one that oh, apprehended oh, Michael oh, Fagan. Okay. Very close oh. to the queen. The article also noted that Angela Kelly is not involved. And she, I mean, we've known that she has been moved from the Windsor estate too. So lots of, lots of change ups over there. But I am so fascinated by the queen's diaries. Do you keep a diary, Rachel? I want, oh I gosh. When I was this. in high school, I did. It's like on my list of like life goals. Like I really want to because I have such a bad memory and I would love to I just have such a bad memory. I go agree. back and I, I, I think that's going to be this 2023 is. My year for I did diary. for the first five years of Finn's life. I mean, saying that out loud is insane. I did jot a wow. note with a photo every single oh, day. Every single day. That's amazing. It was Matt's idea. And then I upheld it. And I can't believe I did and that. And you stopped on his fifth birthday. That was like my, you- like, I was like, I'm stopping this when he turns five. Because it was I mean, that was recently, though. painstaking. Like, I mean, I loved it. I love looking back. But it's so much work. Yeah, so much work. If anyone has tips, if yes, anyone has tips for keeping a diary, a daily diary, I would love to know. And now, this week in royal history. All right, flashing back this week in royal history. This Saturday marks 62 years since Diana Frances Spencer was born at Park House, a home her parents rented on Queen Elizabeth's Sandringham Estate. Just a reminder that Charles was born 12 years earlier in 1948. So this Saturday, July 1st, 1961, will be Diana's heavenly birthday. She was born to Edward John Spencer and Frances Ruth Burke Roach, who was later known as Frances Shan Kidd, Viscount and Viscountess of Althorpe. We know, of course, that her parents divorced when Diana was young. Her father won custody of the children. She had two older sisters, Jane and Sarah, a younger brother, Charles. When Diana was born, they, Jane and Sarah were the only ones, and John, who had died really young. And so her parents hoped for another boy, just as Charles supposedly had hoped for a girl when Harry was born. I think that that was a fact that he kind of brought up again in spare, but... Just interesting to note those parallels. It wasn't until 1975 that she actually became known as Lady Diana Spencer after her father inherited the title of Earl Spencer when she was just 14. Her last birthday on this earth, she turned 36. It was a really good one. She attended the 100th anniversary of the Tate Gallery in London. We've talked about this before on the podcast, but she was wearing a black beaded dress by Jacques Azaguri. She received 90 bouquets of flowers, according to the reports. And this is so sweet. A phone call from Prince Harry, who was only 12 and away at Ludgrove for school. He called to serenade her with a group of his classmates over the phone for her birthday, her 36th birthday. 36 sounds so young. I just think as I kind of get closer and closer to that, it just feels... You're such a baby at 36. Boggling. Boggles the mind to know that that was her last birthday here. I know. But we do need to talk about this sheep sweater. On a happier, lighter note, the sheep sweater that Diana actually owned is up for auction. Is that right? You have to tell me this because I've just glanced at the headline. Yes, it's everywhere, right? So basically the founders of Warm and Wonderful, the original designers of the sheep sweater, Sally Muir and Joanna Osborne, who have been on this podcast, go back and reference that episode, 
they were going through their attic and in an old wine box found the original sweater that Diana once wore. Because remember, we learned and discovered, I think it was through Elizabeth Holmes's book. She was the one to uncover it. And and then Sally and Joanna confirmed it, that Diana had two versions of the sweater and sent it back, Buckingham Palace, because it got damaged. They don't know how. They were like guessing that maybe her engagement ring got caught in the material. But so they found that original one. And Sotheby's is auctioning it off this fall. And I think that there's a chance to go and see it in person for like a two-week viewing period, which oh my I would love to do. Oh, and there's another version, I think, on display too at the VNA. So Yes, but not one that she wore, just not the original oh, sweater interesting. though. Mm-hmm. Okay, okay. So this is yeah. one that she actually probably wore, right? Because it is it the has, one she actually wore. It mm-hmm. has the tear in the wrist, which they think got caught on her ring. Yeah. They've been able to authenticate it. And I believe the wow. second version is probably still in the possession of William and Harry or Buckingham Palace in some way. Wow. Amazing. So how much do you think it'll go for? I really wish we could all bid on it. Did they have any guesses in the article? Do you I remember? think they said around 70,000 pounds, I believe it was, was what wow. they were estimating. Yeah. How much did that that cross that they auctioned and Kim Kardashian bought that was Diana's? Oh, how yeah. Much that did, was, remember? I think, way more. Way, way more. I guess that's jewelry, too. But I jewelry. feel like 70,000 sounds low for something like this is a priceless Diana. Well, I, you know, I'm just curious. Like, I really do feel like this is her most iconic look. Like, when you think of Diana, mm-hmm. for me, I think of the sheep sweater. I probably think of the revenge dress. I saw some comments on our Instagram page that people, some people said her wedding dress. Mm-hmm. I'm just curious. Do you, what When you think of Diana, like, first outfit that comes to mind, Roberta. I mean, first outfit that comes to mind, I feel like Travolta dress is way, oh, way up there good, for me. Good call. Way yeah. up there. But sheep sweater is also is and like just bike shorts and sweatshirts like the Virgin oh, yeah. Atlantic for sure. But gosh, I mean, if if 10,000 of us pool seven dollars, could we do it? Like you guys and then we just like work out it? like a, we have like, yeah, I, I feel like someone said sisterhood of the traveling sweater. obsessed wins. <laughs> We make incredible. international news. Yes, guys, let's I do think it, guys. We could do it. I think oh we could actually gosh. do it. But fun to see this kind of, like you said, a lighthearted story uh, Around circulating. Her time too. I know mm-hmm. that Saturday will be a very heavy day for Harry and William, and so yeah. and their families. So for sure. All right, switching gears. Royal Ascot. The full recap. It came. It went. We're done. But it was quite an occasion. You know, again, going back, it was such a privilege to have Alexander and Scott join. And I think Roberta and I got it was a hoot for us to see them in the background of so many videos for Royal Ascot. Oh my we, gosh, they were everywhere. Everywhere. We would see like influencers just posting, and there was Scott walking by. So he was really in the royal. Well, enclosure. and I thought you were going to say too to see their background when they zoomed oh, yeah. with us for the interview because it was the behind the scenes of the Ascot planning and it was yes. it was just incredible to see how much work was going into that and they're already planning for next year so we're yes so excited for that as well we need but, to be there we're yeah. we're planning for next year right Robert? I'm glad they came on the show yeah well so I think the big big arrival and presence was finally having Kate and William in attendance Kate wore a rap style Alexander McQueen she had a vintage Hermes bag what did you think of the red did you love it did you hate it I wasn't a big fan of it only because I feel like the Ascot's so pastel themed and it, it just felt very, I mean, I guess what I feel like is the theme for Kate is standing out in crowds just like Queen Elizabeth did. And I like that that feels like almost an homage to the late queen. But, and I like the style of the dress. It was very similar to Pippa Middleton's 
wedding, what Kate wore, you know, with the pink and the bishop sleeve. So I really like the style, actually, but not the color. I don't know. What did you think? Yeah, it felt very kind of sharp to me. Like, it yeah. just was a little too hard. The earrings harsh. were way too much. Let's agree on yeah. that. Yeah. I still think my favorite ascot look of Kate's is 2019, the Ellie Saab dress. I think mm. that it, that was the right tone for me, where it was this more, like you the said, pastel. Mm-hmm. The blue was so beautiful. But I, I'm curious if there is... See, you know, on the heels of the green trooping, then the red, she is going bold. Bold, 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 bold. But I did really like Duchess Sophie's style the whole time. I loved her Susanna London white dress with the big bow in the front. I loved, I loved that bow. Yeah. It was so striking. So striking. It was almost like the puff sleeve version of Diana's Peter Pan collar. Like it just mm. was really beautiful to me. I really liked that. I think my favorite at Ascot was Princess Beatrice. I love that Beulah London, which I think people were really hit or miss on that she wore on the first day. And then that lace oh, yeah. Monique Lillier dress. I, when she traveled in with Kate and William, it was just so beautiful to me and styled well. Yeah, people have commented on Beatrice like really upping her style game, and I totally agree. I can see that for sure. Yeah. Okay, a couple other little pieces of royal ascot scuttlebutt that I thought were fun to share. Princess Anne's royal rewear. That's so cool. I mean, you talk about the sustainability mission, and that's what it should feel like where you're able to pluck from your closet something that you wore decades ago. And this dress was from 1978. It was the blue pleated A-line dress, and she wore it to at Buckingham Palace to welcome the Botswana president with Queen Elizabeth II. So I think that that's so cool. And she styled it differently. Just awesome to see that. And you mentioned your fave or best dress, Sophie, but she brought her dad, who's 92. I love this. This is my like all-time favorite of Ask It 2023. This is my favorite moment. The pictures sure. are so striking. So and it was, sweet. you know, her dad just to have him there. I didn't even realize he was still alive. With so that was news binoculars. to me. Yeah. He just brought like all of his gear with him. He has like the 10 badges like all pinned all over him to like make sure he doesn't get kicked out of the royal enclosure. It's just very sweet. It was so, so heartwarming to see them together and hugging. They were like hugging while they watched the horses. So special. Yeah. Yeah. Also in the royal box, Susan Hussey. That was, Mm -hmm. you know, made some headlines as well that she is really back in the royal fold. You know, she spent two days in there with Charles and Camilla. I mean, you know, she's not employed by the palace anymore, but she is still in the mix very much. Probably a close friend of theirs as well, yeah. Yeah. We also saw Emo Chuck. Did you see, you know, we talk about that, Charles. His horse, Desert Hero, won, and this was a horse that was bred by Queen Elizabeth, and it was in on the Thursday race, high stakes. I guess it was the King George V stakes, officially called, and it won. And just to have that happen, he shed a tear. I thought that was really special for him. <laughs> The queen apparently had 24 wins over six decades. Yeah, that's amazing. I know it was I think it was really long odds actually for Desert Hero to win. And so he seemed they seemed so overjoyed that their horse won. Yeah, I know. I just keep thinking if we do go next year, which it would it's definitely a save the date situation. Right, Roberta? What I just all I care about is the hats. I just that's that would be my bucket list item. I'll write it down right now. I have a 2024 calendar going. Oh, I'm about to buy mine. Where is yours from? Oh, my, just... my, my notes app. Oh. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> that's where I keep all like future dates just so I don't forget. So, but you're, you're more organized. You're like, 
getting it I literally am like, I cannot write anything for 2024 done until I get my rifle paper company calendar that is the most organized. It's the best calendar I've ever found. Those like 17 month versions. I love it. I live for it. I love that you use an actual calendar. I'm just writing it in my little notes app, but I'm going to transfer eventually. But all right. Should we move on to the yes. Waleses? They've been so, so busy. So first up, we had that wonderful video with Roger Federer and Kate ball boys and ball girls. This video is supporting the ball boys and ball girls of Wimbledon. A thousand apply each year and 300 get chosen. They're the unsung heroes of the match, Kate said. She's, of course, patron of the All England Lawn Tennis and Croquet Club, which hosts the tennis tournament each year. It starts July 3rd. It's coming up fast. So we're going to be able to recap it the next episode when we are back. When would that be? That'll be a week from... July 12th? Yeah, July 12th, I think. Woo! Okay. I know. We'll see you guys. We will come back in full, promise. I know. This video was so, so good, though, and it really went viral, especially this part where supposedly Roger is scolding Kate. I don't think it's a scold, but here's the clip of that. Oh. Good catch. Are you allowed to do that? Oh, yeah. Are you allowed to do that? That's in Australia, they would catch it, but here in Wimbledon, they don't. Yeah, oh, you're okay. not meant to catch it. You're meant to let it bow and then get it, but good catch. I like that the girl was like, you did it wrong, but good job anyway. (laughs) (laughs) I loved this video so much, Roberta. I just thought I I felt really authentic to me. And I wish that the whales is I hope they do more of this kind of behind the scenes. I also was so fascinated by the role of the ball boys and girls. I know I was too. I I think that I always wonder about them. And so I'm glad that they're shedding a light on this because every time I do watch a tennis match, that's always what catches my attention is how fast they are. I think in one part of the video, they said that the most worn spots on the tennis court are not where the players play, but actually where the ball boys and girls run across because of the traction they get from going so fast and the friction they create on the spots that they stand. So it is really, really impressive. And Roger and Kate feel like a match made in heaven. They actually would make a really good looking couple too. Just saying that. (laughs) I'm just throwing that out there. No, I just thought that they had a really natural rapport. I totally agree. I also, this video left me with so many questions about Kate's downtime because her tennis skills. Yeah, it is. How does she know how to play such good tennis? It's crazy. Yeah, I'm guessing he adjusted for her abilities for sure. But it's like she was playing rugby the previous week. She does her photography. She paints. She does all these things. Is it just is she constantly these are skills you can't let kind of languish, you know, so yeah, she has to constantly maintain her abilities and just to be able to pivot like that is so and impressive. Rachel, coming from the Renaissance woman yourself who just wrapped up her tennis. What did, did oh, yes, you just, I did finish just wrap your up tennis? my tennis for the season? Lessons? I'm playing some this summer. Yes. I was going to text my coach about some of, you know, this this video, just like the straight arm feed. That was so impressive to me. But yeah, that seems really hard, actually, to do that. But the fact that Kate did a serve for the cameras, like we actually as a tennis group, we're like, can we just skip the serve part? Because it's so <laughs> embarrassing at times. Like you're just so like, embarrassing that whole display and then you miss or something. So Kate really brought it. And like in a tank top and a short skirt. I just it's all around impressive. Also, I it want that like- Wimbledon jacket, though. That was really chic. Yeah, it was all Wimbledon gear to kind of support their line as well. And I think, too, like the rapport between Roger and Kate, we know that they are probably pretty close friends, actually. Roger and his wife, Mirka, attended Pippa's wedding and have been papped around London with Pippa and James. So they seem to be really good friends as well. And I think Kate and him have hung out many a time. So No big deal. Just Roger Federer. Yeah. Two more Kate things I'll talk about and then William's Homewards announcement. We had from Kate Hope Street an opening of a 
center that houses women convicted of nonviolent crimes, especially when they've posted bail or they're on curfew arrangements, and that way they can remain with their children. So it's a really wonderful idea. It was started by One Small Thing, a charity that is run, this is really interesting, by Lady Edwina Grosvenor, who is Diana's goddaughter. She is also the sister of Hugh, who is Prince George's godfather, who is getting married in June of next year. So kind of crazy that this is like a really royal I need like a flow chart. I need like a visual graphic. I know exactly. Kate was also out today for the Young Victorian Albert Museum opening. There's three new galleries, Play, Imagine, Design, that were designed by school children, which I thought was really wonderful. It's from the museum is for ages zero to 14. She stepped out in a pink Beulah London rewear that she wore at Wimbledon. For Hope Street, she also wore a Wimbledon rewear that was the Alessandra Rich Navy polka dot dress. So two Wimbledon rewears to shed I think, or not shed light, but get everyone excited for Wimbledon next week. So smart of her. This outing today, the pictures are incredible. It's heavy Diana vibes with all the kids. They're showing her around. They were actually tour guides for her on this outing. And so I thought that. You know what? I keep laughing because this is the the Ahana style from Beulah London. Mm. And it is just multiple people at Ascot had this, uh, this dress, but just in different colors. And I'm like wondering... A, do I need this dress? Do I need this dress? Clearly, it is a versatile hit with so many different people. But also, just does everyone run into each other and just be like, we're not in the same color, so it's fine. This one and the other one that has the black buttons down the middle that she has in so many colors. It's like white with black buttons. And then I think she had a dark green one recently. That one, too, is like that. those two styles I just... I love. And they're really versatile. You can wear it to so many different like work things, but also weekend, night out, that kind of thing. The pink also feels like Barbie court continuation because she's worn a lot of pink this summer. Barbie's almost coming. I can't wait to see that. One more little quick thing for me is it's not little, though. It's Prince William's Homewards announcement. This is his big, I think, 41st birthday kind of launch that he built up to, which is what he's been working on for a very long time behind the scenes, it sounds like. So this project, Homewards, is trying to eliminate homelessness in the UK. It's going to take five years, six locations where they will be testing this out. Suppose, uh, sorry, reportedly 300,000 people in the UK are homeless, including 120,000 kids. William and the Royal Foundation will be giving each of the six locations 500,000 pounds to work on this, which equates to 3 million over the course of five years, a huge investment. They're trying to model this off the Finland model is what a lot of these stories or articles noted. So the Finland's housing first policy unconditionally offers rental homes with contracts to people experiencing homelessness as well as support when it's needed and wanted. I think that is incredible to know that that's how they kind of have tackled it and it has really, really worked. And so I think that that's amazing to see William take that on. Yeah, The only thing I just can't really get around is why Kate isn't there supporting and getting this message out with him. I'm talking a lot with my hands right now. I'm like just wildly. But I do I do feel like that would be that would especially like when she came to Boston for Earthshot, it really brings attention in a way, even if it's through clothing, even if it's through what she wears, it does bring so much attention because I feel like I've seen a few pictures of William around. He's going to these locations. He's visiting, I think, Aberdeen today. He's in Scotland. He's in Northern Ireland. But I just don't feel like it gets the attention it deserves when Kate's not there. Do you feel that? 
Yeah, I mean, I think it's challenging. It really feels like they're both of their schedules are on overdrive. Like I was reading something where and I separate. wonder in separate. I like wonder, it would almost be better if she didn't have all her engagements this week too, because she's gone out so much this week already. But I wonder how much control she has over that those opening date schedules. Do they shift the opening based on the Princess of Wales? I'm not sure, mm. but I agree. Like I think it does spotlight it more. But when William released Earthshot videos teasing it and kind of un- unveiling it it was just him then too that's true and so. Kate with the early years project and shaping us mm-hmm. I think that is very much solely her project and this is his but it would be nice to kind of have both of them on you know I wonder if she'll pop up to homework. one of these locations if mm-hmm. we'll see images but it's just a two day kind of tour of the six locations right it's not this yeah. whole week no but I think that this is his long term plan and this will be kind of just like Earthshot one of his big big tentpole projects but to have I would think the whole family support behind it would really draw so much more attention to it. I don't know. That was just Yeah, my no, it's critique. a good it's so a good thought. We'll for see sure. if she kind of I, it would be nice if they kind of helped each other out in that way. I'm sure was, that they will. I definitely yeah. feel like it seems like they just have had some scheduling problems. There's just so much taking place right now it feels. It's so true. It does feel like they're just on total overdrive like you said. I was going to say, I just had two quick thoughts on this initiative, which is, I think for me, I really love the connection to Diana here for William, Mm -hmm. because I think Mm -hmm. that a lot of Harry's work has always had such a clear line to Diana. And this one for me, is that for me with William? I think that, you know, Diana took both boys to homeless shelters when they were little. And that is this really nice through line that he's carrying on her work here. So I feel that very strongly. But I also am so curious about the government role in all of this because, yes, William can bring this massive amount of attention, which might be really important. It's like the way what Diana did for landmines and things mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. But I, I look at it similarly to the under fives and Kate's work there that is it the attention economy? Is it putting additional pressure or is it a moot effort or lost? Co- like how much can yeah. he really do? I hope a lot, but I just yeah. am curious it about does, that. I, I totally hear that. And I think a lot of the criticism too was saying, is this a PR stunt? Is this all, you know, for headlines and then it kind of fades away. But it does feel like when there's money involved in that much money that it really it does a stand difference. a chance of making a huge difference. And they have a policy they're modeling after the Finland one. So I think that. Yeah, I like that. That there really is a template. strategic. Yeah, exactly. So action plans. And I do think that it brings attention to it. And that's what William and Kate and the Royals can do so effectively. It's important. It matters. OK, I know we talked about Spotify last week, but we did get two kind of major pieces over the weekend to the point my my cousin, who doesn't always tune into the royal news cycle, was like, did you see this piece in the Wall Street Journal and, and sent it to me? And I feel like that, you know, a lot of people read this one. We did get some background. I'm not to, I'm mentioning her twice in this episode, but Elizabeth Holmes called out the fact that, you know, the editor in chief of the Wall Street Journal currently, Emma Tucker, has British roots. This piece really had an interesting tone to it. The main point was that the Sussexes and their foray into Hollywood has been a flop. Big statement to make. Uh, But it did have a lot of details basically illuminating the fact that the Sussexes have really struggled to make content that stretched beyond their own experiences. They had some anonymous reporting from Archwell employees that the company lacks direction. The founders seem surprised by the work it takes to finish entertainment projects, the founders being Harry and Meghan, I presume. We also had some details about some of the other projects they were working on and developing at Netflix. It's very difficult to follow the docuseries, of course, but they have pitched an Emily in Paris version, but about a man. I would love to see that, by the way. 
Yes, me too. Me too. These are great ideas. I felt like this one speaks to your heart. Bad manners. This is in development. That is based on Miss Havisham, a Charles Dickens character from Great Expectations. It says the prequel would recast the lonely spinster as a strong woman living in a patriarchal society. Hasn't gotten the green light yet, but this is one of the series they're working on. Of course, they have Heart of Invictus coming up. I think it just really talks about, you know, there's how long it took to come up with the idea for archetypes, for example. This was about Spotify, that changes were often requested late in the editing process and things like that. It just illuminates how there are additional details about the relationship and what maybe went south. There's was also this piece from Bloomberg from a writer that covers tech media and talks about how As part of that Spotify deal, Harry was also supposed to deliver a podcast. That didn't happen. He never found the right idea. But we did in this article hear a lot of the ideas that ended up on the cutting room floor. I think the one that's making a lot of news this week and a lot of people are eyes are bugging out about it is that he had pitched a series where he wanted to interview high profile guests about childhood trauma, Putin and Trump included. What a weird and yes, really a terrible crazy, idea, an impossible idea. idea. But I do want to just say that, like, I, these articles are valuable because they are from very reputable places. This isn't the UK tabloids. You know, these are people that have covered these yeah. industries for a really long time, know what they're talking about. There's a lot of sourcing involved, and that is important. But I also think. With the Putin idea, for example, the Trump idea, bad ideas happen. Like, I think you think about what happens creatively in even a brainstorm at a company like where we work. Mm -hmm. The goal is to then pivot those Mm -hmm. ideas. Sometimes people are like, is there something here? You know what I mean? We're not really understanding the full scope of this. So I think those articles did talk about the nitty gritty, but also mentioned details that could have been part of a bigger conversation. And we also they also address the industry changes that are going on too. I feel like what I got from this was that they had the Sussexes did have a lot of ideas, but that it was really hard to get some of those ideas off the ground, especially when they're so convinced that that's what they should be doing. And I think what I kind of picture is Harry sticking to his guns in a way that like is like this is my show. I'm going to interview Trump. I'm going to interview these other people that probably shouldn't be given the airtime on his podcast, but he wants them to. And that's what I want to do. Just like when J.R. Moringer said that he went up against Harry and they debated this passage and Harry really wanted this joke to get in there that he had made at the end. And he, the ghostwriter said, no, 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 this needs to be left out of spare. This is how we should tell it. The point is not what you're trying to make. It's really hard to convince celebrities and really rich people that their ideas are bad. I think that's what I'm trying to say. Yes. Well, and also, I think it it goes back to their team, their expertise, their experience in these industries. Like, they are new to all of this. I think the expectations were high that they would deliver so much so fast. But yeah, you need someone that's kind of gut-checking their decisions, and you need an openness to hear that. How do you sign a almost $100 million contract and not have all of these ideas laid out ahead of time. Like in the negotiating process, like don't you feel like that's just wild that they're throwing around that much money and just hoping that something good comes out of it? But I do think that speaks to the industry where it was just this real precedent that everyone was moving in that direction, like lock in the talent. They're big names. We'll figure it out later. And now the industry, the podcast industry, the streaming industry, all of this is kind of having a reckoning 
in addition, we're coming out of the pandemic with that where everyone was home. Everyone was consuming at least television. I know podcasts wavered a little bit during that time, but it is fascinating to follow. And I mm-hmm. like the media tech perspective here, especially with the Bloomberg piece, because there is someone that is covering yeah. it long term. And you can take some credibility from these two pieces. Although, again, grain of salt because – Emma does have those British roots and that point of view. And not that not to say that that is influencing a ton of this, but it's good to know what your sources are. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You, it does make you think, too, how impressive Archetypes was that it was so well done and got off the ground and really did go yeah. from the idea stage to the production stage so quickly, too, and have so many big names attached to it. I think some of Harry's ideas that they said, like the fatherhood one, I yeah. 100% would love to listen to that. Harry's view on fatherhood and have, you know, his insights and just growing up in such a weird world. And but I know it just some of yeah. them. Yeah. And I still think he, they're going to pop up somewhere else with podcasts. It's time for the Royal Highs and Lows. All right. Before we adjourn the Royal Pod, our highs and lows, we got confirmation last week that Dior is not signing Megan to be an ambassador. They denied the reports that there was a contract underway. The reports all came from various sources like TMZ, Daily Mail, New York Post. So, of course, we knew that that might not happen. <laughs> but it's still sad to see them say no. I would have loved to see Megan in a two-page ad. Oh, yes. Yes, absolutely. Dior. My low was this news we got at the beginning of the week that Fergie was diagnosed with breast cancer, that she had just a routine checkup and they noticed a tiny shadow during her mammogram by the NHS and she was able to catch it early, luckily, but it's a hard thing to go through. She gave all the credit to her sister. I wanted to share this clip from her podcast, T-Talks, where she shares that detail. Two weeks ago when my sister from Australia said, Sarah, you know, get on with it. She was, right. was it a routine te- test you were having? Yeah, it was after bank holiday, and yeah. I was I was I live uh, you know in this area, in the Windsor area. Yeah, and um, it was hot day. Didn't yeah. feel like going to London. Yeah, and easy to put it off. Easily to push it off. Oh, yeah. you know, I'll do yeah. it next week. Yeah, wow. And my sister, who's wonderful from Australia, I always normally do what she says because she gets so cranky, and uh, she said no go I, I need you to go I need you to go I guess the point of this low is to echo what Fergie's saying everyone get a mammogram I got a mammogram the second I turned 40 I feel like we gotta all get mammograms it's important even if you're not feeling pain and they're not hard like that's the other thing like so many of these things feel scary but they're not hard my high this week is that Natalie Rushdie, who we had the pleasure of meeting when we were over in London, is releasing a song for her late friend, Deborah James. You remember her, Rachel Valbabe, who William spotlighted a lot when she was going through her cancer diagnosis. And so she's a jazz singer, Natalie. She's recorded a cover of Tell Me It's Not True from the Blood Brothers musical. This was a song that Deborah herself asked Natalie to sing at her funeral when they saw each other for the final time at Royal Ascot in 2022. So just a wonderful thing to spotlight, to raise money, all the proceeds going to the Balbabe Fund for Cancer Research UK. Yeah, check it out. July 3rd, you said it comes out? July 3rd is the song and a music video, and it's going to be really emotional footage, never before seen footage of Deborah, Dame Deborah. So I can't believe it's been a year. That's, that's yeah. wild. I think it's a really great cause that Natalie is highlighting too. And her singing is 
beautiful. So I can't wait to hear it. Okay, total, total gear switch for my high. Charles Equery. Do you remember this guy, Roberta? Lieutenant Colonel Jonathan Thompson. So Everyone give him a Google cute. because he oh was just gosh. named to Tadler's social power index. And some of the reasons he turns head in a kilt and his onlookers, he has onlookers chanting his name at royal events. <laughs> He's been branded the dashing Equery and a national treasure. He is quite dreamy, Roberta. Is he married? <laughs> Let's do a Google. He's so good looking. He worked with the queen for a long time, too. I just think that the whole monarchy needs more of these royal adjacent fixtures because it bolsters their brand. Put him on the balcony. He's called the hot equerry. Hot, dashing, all these great, great uh, labels. Okay, TBD on whether he's married or not. We're going to have to come back to that. We'll check in and see. They need to do like a British bachelor about him and have him be the guy handing out the roses. Yes. That would be from Buckingham yes. Palace. <laughs> but apparently he like is very like hangs back and stuff. So I wonder how much he loves all this attention. But we're giving him more. Oh, yeah. On that note, Roberta, we're departing once again for another week off. But please go back. Listen to your favorite episode, especially the sheep sweater one. That one's a good one to revisit. Yes. And we have a really great review to close out the show. This one is from Maya Niqued, and it says, thanks for being balanced. You have a great show with positive energy and great camaraderie between you that makes listening feel like being at a dinner among friends. I appreciate your effort to be balanced about all the members of the royal family working and non. Apparently not everyone likes this and wants you to outright ignore the son of the king because he's non-working, but I doubt they have the same to say about Eugenie and Beatrice or Zara and Mike. Thank you for continuing to see them all with their entire humanity intact. There's a lot out there to be negative over and you make the choice each week to stay upbeat and positive. That was a really wonderful review. Thank you so much for those kind That's a really words. thoughtful review. Thank you. All right. Remember to subscribe so you never miss an episode. Follow us on Instagram at Royally Obsessed Podcast and email us info gallerypodcast.com. Until two weeks from now, God, God save, save the, the pod. pod. And happy 4th of July. Her Majesties of Royally Obsessed have retired for this episode. God save the pod. And if you fancy the podcast, give Royally Obsessed the royal rating of five stars on Apple Podcasts. Follow us on Instagram at Royally Obsessed Podcast and join our Facebook group, Royally Obsessed. Royally Obsessed is a gallery podcast production.